This is Free Talk Live. It is your show. We are kicking off another week of fun and excitement here, and you can take control of the airwaves. Bring up whatever's on your mind. Toll free at 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The feature's there. We give away, so do enjoy those on us again. That's freetalklive.com. Starting things out here tonight, it's one of those stories that you just can't make up. It can only happen in the real world with this absurd government, uh, all these just ludicrous rules that we have surrounding our lives. In this case, we're talking about building codes. Mm. West Hampstead, New York, the Associated Press, and an obstetrician saved his wife and six children from a fire that ravaged their home. Delivered a baby while the house was still smoldering and then got cited with building violations. Of course. Dr. Herman Weiss said Friday was just my day. The 37-year-old awoke around 3 a.m. to the screech of a smoke detector and the sight of flames inching up an outside wall of his Long Island home. He got his family to safety, then was paged and went to a hospital to deliver an infant at around 6 a.m. Good man. The fire brought scrutiny from building inspectors who cited the Weisses with a discrepancy in plumbing plans and living in the house without a certificate of occupancy. Did you know you had to have one of those in uh, West Hempstead? Well, I knew that you had to have one, yes. Is that really? Oh, yeah. Here in the free state, you absolutely have to have a certificate of occupancy. Where the hell do you get those? I don't think I have one. From the bureaucrat. Well, you don't have to have one on a house. A house house has to get one certificate of occupancy once it's been built. This was likely a very new house. Oh, I see. So, so so if you buy the house, I know since you bought a house, uh, you know that didn't need to be built. It was already here. You don't know. I got you. Well, the fire. uh, It's it's likely. It's possible he didn't know, or it's possible you know he had no place to go. He had uh, his lease had run out on his apartment. His house wasn't done yet um, entirely, so he decided, well, we'll live in there anyway. How dare he? Well, he's in trouble now. The family's been ordered to get this, tear down the entire home. White says he hopes to rebuild in the same place. Now, I, I, somehow I don't think that the... Oh, that's, that, that's ludicrous. The, somehow I don't think it's the plumbing that caused the fire, you know? No. Like, whatever the problem was, it wasn't the plumbing. And, and likely whatever the problem was, was up to code. Probably the case. It's just another one of those stories where someone goes through and... Does something goes and does something heroic. We've mm-hmm. seen stories where you know a man will jump into a river to save people, only to be pulled out and ticketed uh, for something by the police. Yep. In this case, it's not the police, but the code enforcers that came in and uh, again cited him for plumbing discrepancies and living without a certificate of occupancy. I wonder what, what does that cost? What, what is a fine for uh, occupying a home without a certificate of occupancy? I I don't know, but uh, it's it's not a fine I want to pay. I'd like to hear from you on this one at 800-259-9231. Have you ever encountered any of these just stupid rules? Uh, I was completely unaware of this certificate of occupancy thing. I just thought that would be a New York thing. Mm-mm. But you're saying that when I bought this old house here in New Hampshire, I automatically had that certificate transferred you, to me? I don't remember signing any sort no, of document like that. Right. Um, a house is certified occupable. Occupable. Occupiable? Right. That, okay. that would be it. Um, it so and that's all it needs. It doesn't. You don't need to get your certificate to live in a house that's already been certified. And this house likely never was either because it's a hundred years old. A grandfather. Somehow it in. or another, we've managed. We managed to live <laughs> through the the vast majority of human civilization without these certificates. But now the government has decided, we deem when you can occupy your house and when you can't. 
That's kind of bothersome, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, and the architect that, uh, you know, what, who, with whom I'm dealing with to build my house, it's First Day Cottage at firstdaycottage.com if you'd like to check it out. Mm-hmm. He um, he just said, ah, don't worry about that. Just go start living there whenever you feel like it. No one will really? No one cares. Yeah. But of course, he's... So if he's, a bureaucrat finds out, you could be in uh, getting a fine then. It, it's possible. Um, his advice of cert- um, certainly wasn't uh, wasn't considered what one would consider uh, legal advice or anything like that. He just realizes that the vast majority of times it's no big deal. Um, right. And you know, when I talked to him uh, the, the first time, I I heard him express some uh, some political opinions, and I asked him, "So, what political persuasion would you consider yourself?" He said, "I would have considered myself a libertarian till I met one." Oh, I wonder who he met. I don't know. That uh, that tends to do it for for a lot of people. They meet one of the, somebody who's not very good at communicating, or someone who's pot. not very persuasive, maybe sure. a crackpot, and then it's it taints their view of all libertarians, and that's always sad. It's uh, always a sad story to hear. Uh, so the certificate of occupancy, the government mandates that people have this. Look. There are all kinds of different, uh, all kinds of different fees, all kinds of different permits that need to be pulled when you're going through the process of renovating or or creating a home from uh, from scratch. But you would think that the government would leave someone alone after they just had a fire. You would think. You'd think that uh, they'd just back off and let that person deal with all of the other problems that are going to come along with having your house burned down or partially burned down. But no, no, because they care so much about you, they decided to come in there and, well, levy you some fines on top of all the fire damage and insurance problems that you're going to have as a result of that. Because that'll keep you safe. This is just pure uh, pure proof that the government doesn't care about you. They aren't there to protect you, as they claim to be. They're there to screw you over left and right. You know, the um, it seems to me that there's a uh, the the system is at war against OBGYNs. I don't understand. It you know they just don't like babies and. It, 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 the system doesn't like that. I, I don't know how to ex- express this, but it seems like you know the insurance is incredibly high for OBGYNs because everybody sues them if their kid comes out, you know, somehow messed up or another. Mm. And uh, here it's just another symptom of this little thing that I'm formulating in my head, this little conspiracy, that uh, somehow the system doesn't like OBGYNs. And life is tough being an o- OBGYN. I don't know. I, I've never known one personally, so I can't comment. Well, there you go. and other news from the Orlando area. An illegal radio station that authorities believed was on air to glamorize and encourage criminal gangster activity was shut down Friday afternoon. Three people were arrested in connection with the underground station that played a genre known as gangster rap. They have that in quotes, by the way. That often features crude and offensive lyrics. Wesley Williams, 21, of Winterhaven, worked as the station's DJ, uh, while Jessica Spillman, 23, operated the station in the absence of the disc jockey. And Calvin Thompson was the operator, who was 24. He paid, apparently, $300 for on-air advertisements and shout-outs. The sheriff of the area said, this Hold on. Is, it, is it wrong to be an advertiser of a uh, pirate station then? I, uh, he claimed to be the, it's claimed that he was the operator. Okay. So I'm not sure why the operator was paying for advertisements. Doesn't make any sense to the me. The way either. the article was written tells me the journalist did not really do their research. Well, they, to them, it's just 
the wrong thing to do, so they're not really looking at the specifics of it. Right. Well, the sheriff had something to say. He said, this illegal FM radio station broadcasted gangster rap with violently offensive language. We believe one purpose of this station was to glamorize and encourage criminal gangster activity. Working in partnership with the Sheriff SAO, whatever that is. What's that? What is that? Sheriff something office? I don't know. And the FCC, we have crushed this illegal operation. The radio station was operating without an FCC license. Three were booked into the Polk County Jail and charged with one count each of unauthorized transmission slash interference with a licensed radio station. The offense is a third-degree felony. Third-degree felony? What is that? Is that bad? Is it third worse than first? Five years in prison. So third is worse than a first degree? No. No. A first-degree felony, you can get up to 25 But a third-degree burn is worse than a first-degree burn, right? Sounds like it. Yeah, All I think very so. confusing. I, <laughs> but they are going to spend time in federal prison over this, is what you're saying. Well, likely a state prison. It sounds like they violated a state law, and they were arrested by state uh, officials. I From guess. what I understand, Florida, some states have um, laws to back up the FCC. Maybe since their transmission wasn't crossing state borders, it was uh, therefore a state thing? I, I don't think that that's necessarily so. No. You can get a federal charge for broadcasting um, without a license in any any of the 50 states without crossing any lines. But I, some states do have laws that back up the FCC's rules. And in this case, they're going to put these guys in prison yeah. for, broadca- for, for, for turning on a transmitter. A transmitter. Nobody was hurt. Pretty outrageous. Nobody was stolen from. Yeah, I don't think that that needs to uh, that needs to go on. Now, if they were actually interfering with another radio station, I could see some sort of form of restitution being proposed here, to where if they were interfering with that station, the station wasn't able to get its signal out as it normally expected to do. They had a loss in revenue as a result of that. There'd be a dollar sign attached to that. More on the way. Your thoughts as well. Whatever you want to talk about, this is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can bring up whatever you want. Toll free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Features we give away, including the Shrine of Female listeners, with the dozens and dozens of ladies who've taken the time to send us their validated photo. Prove they listen to the show. Head over to shrine.freetalklive.com to see what that's all about. That's shrine.freetalklive.com. And your mattress was likely manufactured using all kinds of disturbing chemicals. Does that bother you? It bothers some scientists, especially in the case of young children. Savvy Rest mattresses are made of 100% natural latex rubber, organic wool, and organic cotton. Try their crib mattresses, too. SavvyRest.com for the sleep you've been dreaming of. That's SavvyRest.com. So in Orlando or nearby, I guess it was Winter Haven, uh, Florida, there were three people arrested recently in a joint operation between the sheriff's office and the FCC. They were arrested for operating a transmitter without a license. Did you know that you can be arrested for that in America? It's not just a $20,000 fine. They, they'll fine you, too, but they'll throw your butt in jail for that. Well, you can operate a transmitter without a license. It's just you can't operate that transmitter in a certain megahertz or this is true. kilohertz uh, band. Well, pretty much you can't operate it anywhere. Uh, if it's a licensed FM transmitter, then there's no nowhere else you can really operate it beyond the FM band. So. I see. Turning that sucker on is a federal crime. Did they and say how many course, watts they were uh, broadcasting at? It doesn't say. That would uh, be the, interesting. The article is very, very... Only to us, though. <laughs> very basic. And it's funny that they're... 
they're focusing on this as though it was only a problem because they were playing gangster rap. The sheriff said that the purpose of the station, we believe, was to glamorize and encourage criminal gangster activity. <laughs> as though they would have not shut the station down had it been playing kids' music? Right. You know, if you if you put on something that was competition to uh, the, the Disney channel. Radio Disney, sure. Radio Disney. Um, out there, you don't think they would have shut it down if it was if it was music of your life standards? Yeah, it wouldn't have. They wouldn't have shut it down. You're damn right, they would have shut it down. The radio station owners out there, and I understand where they're coming from, while at the same time completely disagreeing with them. The radio station owners get some of them get very very upset about pirates coming on the air because the station owners have jumped through the abusive hoops that the government has put up in order to uh, grant them permission to run the radio station. They've paid thousands and thousands of dollars in application fees, engineering fees, engineering studies, lawyers' fees. I mean, the, the, the list of fees is almost unending when it comes to the FCC. They never stop bilking you for money. There's Once you've gotten your radio station license, you have to pay for it every year. You have to pay for renewals. You have to pay for... I'm not sure it's every year, but uh, you have to pay for it regularly. Yeah, you've got to pay through the nose to the FCC in order to operate a radio station, which, which of course, puts it out of the reach of your average person. The average person who could afford the equipment... You can easily afford a 50-watt FM transmitter and a, an antenna. These things aren't expensive. It's the license that's the problem. So it puts it out of the reach of the average person. It puts it out of the reach of the average uh, small interest group that might right. might want to play some niche music, you know, calypso music or something that's just unserved by mass market radio groups. The vast majority of places in the United States, the, uh, geographically, are uncovered uh, you know there there are places on the dial that people could broadcast without primary and secondary interference you could easily put uh, stations on in those areas of course if you got rid of the fcc rules poof there'd be stations on and oh, yeah. and then the market would be uh, stressed because it would be uh, you know people would want more stations well suddenly um the band would open up they'd say oh well we could broadcast below 600 is it kilohertz for am and above 1600 kilohertz for am and then below uh, nine uh, eighty eighty seven point five or whatever it is mm -hmm. for FM and above one oh seven point nine for um, FM. There's there's no reason that we can't broadcast there. The only reason is is because that's what the government told us we can do. Well, I think that above one hundred and eight megahertz is some sort of aviation band, so probably wouldn't be okay. a good idea to broadcast there. Understandable, but that's only but because new the HD technology has come out recently that now yeah. allows you to broadcast. Four stations in the the same area that one used to be. That is true. Uh, so it's it's sad though. What's going on here, Mark, is that these people that are putting pirate stations on the air are doing it because, in many cases, they aren't expecting to make any money. They're usually doing it just because they want to serve a niche. They want to get a a, a type of music out over the airways right. or a type of talk or whatever out over the airways that they feel has not been uh, provided by the commercial radio providers in their area. So they flip on a transmitter, they take the risk. Inevitably, usually one of the locally licensed stations gets very upset that an unlicensed competitor has come about and snitches on the station to the FCC. FCC comes in, triangulates the signal to the transmitter, they uh, they 
close in and they shut the people down. And it's really just tragic, and uh, it's going to be so hard to get rid of the FCC. So hard. Yeah, now that they're here, they really don't, uh, they don't do anything. In the same way that we don't need a uh, national government agency or even a state or local government agency that says that this property line is mine at my house, I can handle that. I'm taking care of it. If somebody decides they want to come uh, set up camp on my front lawn, I say, no, you can't live here. I live here. I own this. And off they go. If they don't go, we've got the court system to take care of that. We do, and, and in the same way, we, we, we could have the court system to take care of anybody who wants to broadcast and step on somebody else's bandwidth, um, you know, airwaves. That's true. It, there's, there's no reason for it. The right. FCC is, is a dinosaur, and it's really just a, um, a censoring device to keep people from saying the seven dirty words on radio. I think we can sit here and make a pretty persuasive argument to get rid of the FCC uh, and, and as you pointed out, point out how the, the existing court structure could very easily handle any sort of issues that were, were to come up between broadcasters. So I think we can make a persuasive argument about that, but to actually get rid of the FCC would require... Wow, I'm just trying to think about what it would, what sort of a popular shift of opinion would have to come about in order for people to care enough to bother to pay attention to that issue. Could could a president Ron Paul come in there and shut down the FCC? Could he do that? I don't know. I, I imagine the FCC was um, was created by law by the legislature. Yeah, and he probably couldn't. I'm sure he could throw a lot of uh, monkey wrenches into the operation of the FCC. It, at some point, it would be, you know, just this onerous, uh, useless organization. Um, you know, they, they wouldn't be able to get anything done, but I don't know. I don't think that he could shut it down. The problem, of course, is the National Association of Broadcasters, which is an industry group funded by radio stations ac- across the country. And the NAB, I'm sure, does some good things. But one of the, the things it does it does do that I don't care for is that it's out there, Johnny on the spot, commenting against pirate radio and taking a stand against people that have the gall to turn on their own transmitters. So it's the NAB, the National Association of Broadcasters, that's going to be lobbying the FCC the hardest to make sure that uh, they never loosen up their rules, that they never open up the band to unlicensed competitors, because they'll feel like, radio station owners will feel like it's not fair. And rightfully so, they'll they, feel that way because they've paid through the nose for their license just to have the FCC go away. Right. Well, in in the same way that a uh, a college pledged to a fraternity who got beaten up and made and humiliated and treated terribly uh, during his pledge week, yeah. the next year um, the school passes a rule that no more pledging. You must, you know, you either let him in or you don't. Well, then he's going to feel it's unfair that the next that that fr- class of freshmen doesn't get beaten up and humiliated. And that's really what it is. Imagine how much better of a system it would be if we didn't have to, if the radio stations didn't have to pay this tremendous amount of money to the FCC, and therefore the advertisers of that radio station didn't have to pay that money into ad rates. More on the way. You can take control of the airwaves. This is Free Talk Live. Scientists have discovered a human hormone that increases people's trust in each other, oxytocin. And for the first time, with Liquid Trust, you can harness this power. Buy Liquid Trust now at 800-507-3718 or liquidtrustspray.com. Use code FTL to get free shipping. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Features we give away, including archives. 
If you've missed a moment of the show, just go and download them for free right there on the front page of the website for your downloading convenience, freetalklive.com. SACL CAI has a full-orbed approach to account recovery. It's really three companies in one. They do collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL knows that the way they treat your customer reflects on you. Their staff is respectful, they record every call, and they have the best equipment money can buy so that your business is handled as efficiently as possible. See their banner at freetalklive.com or call 800-544-6359. Do business with businesses that support Free Talk Live. 1-800-259-9231. So we are talking about the FCC as a result of them raiding yet another pirate radio operator in the Orlando, Florida area. Three people have been arrested. They're being charged with third-degree felonies for operating a transmitter, which that on its own is asinine as is. But right. the punishment should fit the crime, and in this case, you know, perhaps there was a crime committed in the sense that maybe they were walking on somebody else's signal, but that's not an appropriate punishment. Yeah, if they were actually interfering with another radio station, then they should have to go and they'd have to go to court. There should be some sort of determination made as to how much the damage was worth. For instance, if the other station was unable to broadcast to a certain section of their normal broadcast range. There are certain people that would have been listening who normally uh, who normally would have been listening that would not have been able to, and that's that's calculable. You can figure out some sort of a number uh, as far as what that's worth in lost business revenue or potentially lost business revenue uh, damage done, and then the, those pirate broadcasters should have to to make payment there. But putting them in a jail cell doesn't do anything to make good. Putting them in, sitting in a jail cell for months or Years. I don't know how long you get for a third degree. Up to five years. Up to five years? I missed that point. Okay. Well, sitting in jail for up to five years isn't going to help make that broadcaster whole again. And many pirate broadcasters don't... Many pirates have the sense to not jam up somebody else's frequency. Well, why would they? Right. It doesn't why, make any sense. Why would they want to compete? Because only th- that means that their signal isn't going to travel as far. If you go on right. 102.1, and let's assume they took an FM transmitter because, well, why would they do AM? It was. I'm pretty sure it was FM. If you go on 102.1, especially in Winter Haven, you're going to be competing against 100,000 watts on 102 jams coming out of uh, Orlando. Why would you do that? You would go. Yeah, you want to find a clear frequency. You'd, you'd go a couple of uh, decimal points down and and try to find something that was clear in Orlando. It's not going to be easy, but likely that's what you'd do. It, you you may be in primary or secondary interference, but you certainly wouldn't be right on their uh, band. Exactly. So it just doesn't make any sense to me. Of course, uh, I, I'm concerned that there might be one of our station owners listening. I mean, we are on 31. Uh, licensed FCC licensed stations around the country. I'm concerned the station owners listening and saying, "What are these guys doing? They're using my airwaves to advocate the abolition of the FCC well, and first putting off, my license gonna, in jeopardy." It's not going to do anything, and no. the license isn't in jeopardy. In this, oh, you mean from uh, if if they were to get rid of the FCC, the yeah. FCC is not going anywhere, likely, no, it's not. because it's a giant government bureaucracy, and probably not. You know, I'm sure the station owner has dealt with the FCC, understands what a um, awful organization it is to deal with. Because well, they're not they're not asking anybody. They don't have any customers. They don't have anybody to please. They do whatever they want, whenever they want, and you're just going to pay the three hundred fifty thousand dollar fine when they do it. But I'm thinking to myself, what is it that we could say, Mark, to possibly persuade that station owner if he's listening right now to possibly persuade the people on the inside of the business, the National Association of Broadcasters types, to our position, to give them reasons to support getting rid of the FCC. 
Who more prepared to set up a radio station when the FCC drops its licensing for a particular band than a guy who currently runs a business? Who better prepared to go out there and set up all the radio stations that would be in the other in the open points in the dial than that guy? He's going to be able to to put a whole bunch of radio stations out there and service the public better because not only will he be able to have a Republican talk. Uh, station, but he can have a Democratic talk station, and the profit uh, the profits don't have to be as high because he doesn't have to pay off those licensing fees, those tremendous licensing fees. That's true. So he you'll can, save money. You'll save money instantaneously in the ongoing fees that you're currently paying right now to the FCC. In addition, you won't have to beg the FCC for permission to do things like move your transmitter or upgrade your transmitter or add a new station to the dial. Many of these things take uh, years upon years for the FCC to actually approve and get the, you know, you've got to get the ball rolling. The FCC's got to look at the application. They've got to approve the application, and there's a comment period, and there's, it's just, it takes forever to get anything done as far as changing hardware around with radio stations. So gone would be all those restrictions. And that would make you more free, uh, as, a, as a radio station owner, more free to run your business in the way that you decide it needs to be run without having to go and, and beg those uh, feds for permission. Now, on the other hand, it does mean that anybody else can enter into the marketplace as well. But that's a good thing, too. If we could, just for a moment, encourage people who are in any given industry, whether it's radio or plumbing or whatever, encourage people in any industry that, that has licenses granted by some government bureaucracy encourage them to reject that concept and embrace the concept of third-party certification mm-hmm. as opposed to government licensing because it's good for the consumer and it's also good for you as a business person. Believe it or not, radio, it's good to have more stations on the dial because it means you're going to have to be more competitive. It means you're going to have to be more innovative. It means you're going to have to actually really work at making this business profitable. And that improves you. That makes your business better over time. Unless, of course, you're lazy and you don't want to do any of that. Well, then you're going to go out of business. Right, as you're you going to go out of business anyway at some point. Yeah. And, um, you know, because you're, you're not competing as, as much as you need to, um, need to be. But there's you've heard... Uh, radio stations, crappy radio stations out there that are licensed. Sure. Well, I can imagine how much crappier a radio station would be if it was unlicensed. There'd be some really amateurish stuff out there on the dial. People would still be gravitated um, in the same way that, you know, most people listen to NBC rather than the, than the local public access channel mm-hmm. because they want well-produced, uh, good-sounding stuff. So they're still going to listen to the stations that sound good. That's true. Another advantage for existing owners, the people that know how to do radio professionally, you'd already you'd, you'd start out with a running jump ahead of all of the, the newbies getting into the game. So I don't think it's anything that uh, that people in the business right now should be afraid of. If anything, it'll, ex- it'll increase the talent pool. If anything, it'll revitalize this business because you guys can sit on your transmitters that you have right now and continue collecting ad revenue from your existing advertisers. But eventually, you and I both know that people are going to just drop away from radio. It's happening right now. Music radio ownership, uh, the, the music radio stations, their owners are frustrated. Right. And you see, this is the thing. As they've deregulated radio, they only partially deregulate radio. And that's the problem. The government fixes a problem and then they they cause a problem and then you want the government to go in and and solve the problem again no the government can't now that there's um, all the stations uh, largely are owned by a few corporations mm-hmm. at least the the big ones um well 
now the talent pool's dry, drying up because those stations realize to maximize profits, well, they get rid of... Uh, cut staff. They cut staff. And that's the way they do it. Where are you going to get that talent from? Where's it going to come from? Are you listening to podcasts every day to get that talent? <laughs> I suppose that that's, the, that's a place that it could come from, but... Like I don't I don't hear anybody doing that. Very few program directors do I hear that are listening to podcasts, drum, trying to drum up talent. That's true. So there are all kinds of different reasons to get the FCC out. The number one reason is that it's strangling the business. The FCC and its rules and its regulations are preventing radio station owners from really competing with uh, forms of new media that are coming out, like the iPod. Uh, like Internet streaming. I know that's not really that new of a, a media, but the point is these are things that are going to become more and more accessible to the average consumer sooner rather than later. And radio station owners, they don't know what to do about it. And if they want to innovate, they really they can't do much without going through the FCC first. And I think that's sad. And so you either get rid of the FCC now and your industry has a chance at survival into the future, or you... Or the industry dries up. Right, or you hold on to this beast that you think is protecting you, but in reality is just feeding off of you. Yep. And watch yourself... Stockholm Syndrome. Cling cling to the one that's harming you. Right. Watch slowly as your revenues begin to just get more and more difficult to, uh, to keep coming in at the same level or higher year after year. Don't say I didn't warn you. 800-259-9231. Your call's coming up. This is your show. It is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind if you dial in toll-free. 800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. If you like the show, then you should shop with us. At Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com, entering Amazon through that link will bring Free Talk Live a percentage of your purchase. You won't see it when you ring up the uh, the sale or when you check out. You won't see any sort of line item that says this percentage is going to Free Talk Live because it changes based on the number of items that we have sold in any given month's period of time. So go ahead and start your shopping experience and just trust us that if you enter through this portal, we'll get a cut. Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. We go to the phones. Uh, to the fun, across the pond, Ziggy in the UK. On the hey, Ziggy, what's on your mind? Yeah, I've got two things for you. First of all, the FCC is inconsistent about the seven deadly words, um, basically because they don't pick up on British swear words. Um, in fact, I heard a, a word in an episode of Lost, which actually is a fairly strong swear word here. Um, I won't say it. Oh, you can say it. If they don't pick up on it, then it won't well, be a big deal. I, I'm, not, I'm not certain... But um, uh, if you're prepared to take the risk, I'll say it. It's the it's mentioned in the uh, first Sex Pistols album uh, title. Never mind the bollocks. Yeah, that's right, bollocks. Right, right. We, we have we you would no one would have any idea what you're talking about. I don't know what that means. Bollocks. bollocks is a young male uh, bull. Yeah, well, you know, it, 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 it you know basically it means crap over here. Okay. Um, also, I have um, I've. Basically, as a libertarian, I have faced the stupidest of accusations that um, I'm not applauding people for sticking their head in the oven, basically. Um, You know, I've explained to many people, I think you have the right to stick your head in the oven, but don't expect me to approve that you're sticking your head in the oven. In other words, making disastrous um, decisions about your life. Right. Yet, people seem to think that unless you're sitting there applauding them and you know, encouraging them along, you're not a libertarian. Well, 
You think so, that uh, libertarians uh, want people to be able to do whatever they want, even to the harm of them, themselves? Um, you know, I, I mean, that's I, I guess that's what they want, but I mean, they, I don't think they cheer for it. Well, it's as if, you know, I have no conscience. You know, that's what they want. They want somebody with no conscience. I, you know, I, I know a guy who, um, I would say he's an alcoholic, but he drinks an awful amount. And I've said to him, you know, yes, you have the right to go and get drunk, but don't think I think it's a great idea. No. So you're saying that people expect the people that know you're a libertarian expect you to encourage people to damage themselves? Yes, basically. How strange. Yeah. You know, there's a guy I know. Um, actually, has a really big website. Um, a guy called Zyra, Z Y R A. Type that into Google, and you'll find his site. He wants to leave the UK for tax reasons. Now I said, fine. You know, that's your right. Mm-hmm. But because I've because he's got mental health problems, I feel, you know, he wants to go and live in Panama. There's going to be no support for him. He's going to know no one there. And, you know, I have said, maybe that's not the best idea, but I'm not going to stop you. Oh, yeah. But, but he seems to think, oh, unless I, I say to him, wow, go on, go, go ahead, right ahead, you know, brilliant idea. You know. Brilliant. You know, he, he reckons, um, oh, I, I'm against him. Well, you know, no, I'm not. And one final thing. Um, that's about, strange. I have to that, say, that's a personal issue. That's uh, that's a friend of yours or somebody who considers you to some level a, a friend who wants you to support them in what they're doing. And your reasons aren't uh, you know aren't theirs. They don't right. you know they, they don't like your reasons. That's not a libertarian yeah. questioning your libertarianism. It's a friend uh, who's making an emotional argument, and perhaps he is questioning your libertarianism in the process, but he's not doing it from a logical standpoint. Um, now, I've heard the inverse of the uh, of the argument where people say you don't care about people if you're not willing to keep them from drinking a bottle of be- bleach or sticking their head, uh, right, their head in an oven by force, which, of course, we don't have laws in the United States for that, and I imagine they don't have them in Britain either. No. Uh, but. You know, I, I I have never heard what you're saying, and and I think what you're um, in in your particular instance, it's just a guy who really wants you to support what he's doing, and you pointing out that he's got mental health issues, um, you know, hurts him a little bit, and that's that's kind of what's happening. Yeah. yeah, but I wouldn't say that unless I I cared. Oh, I know? I concur with you, and yeah. I, I I see the point absolutely. Absolutely, but there's I, I, a I, there's a huge difference between yeah. supporting someone's freedom to harm themselves and actually actively supporting I, them harming themselves. I remember a few weeks ago you were t- um, you, you were discussing between yourselves, you know, uh, Mark asked Ian, would he prevent someone from you know walking out in front of a bus, and Ian said he wasn't actually sure. And I have to admit, I, I kind of agree with Ian because, uh, you know, you try and help somebody these days. Say, Ian, that did pull someone out from in front of a bus and ends up bruising them or something. Right, then they that sue you. That person could end up suing them. Right. Yeah, you know, and I just think that kind of thing is ridiculous. You try and help somebody and they end up slapping you in the face for it. Yeah, I'll give you that. No doubt. Was that your third but, and final point? Um, just one last thing. People who's, um, who were saying um, last week, I'm not going to mention any names here, but there is another famous talk radio host who's been saying, you know, there should be a recount um, for Ron Paul. Who's, who's uh, doing? I, I don't know anything about it. I... Well, certain fat Texans okay. who ran some rapes, right? <laughs> uh, he, <laughs> you know, but he, he said the election was rigged in the first place. So wouldn't the recount be rigged in, with his logic? That's an excellent point, and uh, I, th- I would think you'd be right about that assertion. Yeah. Ziggy, uh, thank you for the call tonight, no as problem, always. Mate. 800-259-9231. Uh, yeah, what makes it more accurate if it's the same people doing the recounting? Well, um, I would 
guess that what they're saying is that the uh, that the Diebold is involved in the uh, in, in, in the bad count or whatever. Mm-hmm. So therefore, if you eliminate the Diebold optics, if it's scanners, hand counted, so the recount would counted. be by hand. So therefore, you bring more people in. Those more you know, the more people there are, the um, it's um, the more likely it is to be a fair and just count. I well, guess. Of course, you're going to have human error. So. As I understand it. The Ron Paul campaign, Ron Paul himself, has come out against having a recount. Is that so? Uh, at this point. So it's right now it's only the Kucinich campaign and I think one of the other smaller no-name candidates that is paying for a recount. So if Ron Paul's not interested in having one, then I don't really see any interest in continuing to follow that point. 1-800-259-9231 or two uh, to, put, to push for that. Well, uh, I, I wouldn't push for it either, but I'd like to see a recount. I'm, I'm very interested in what's, um, in knowing what the result would be. A recount costs a lot of money. I think it's twelve thousand dollars. I think what it was I two thousand. That's to get uh, some kind of initial count. Oh, okay. To, and then there's a, a full state recount is significantly higher gotcha. than that. And uh, you know, I'd, I'd be interested in seeing those numbers. I wouldn't be willing to put up all that money to do it. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. We continue. Talk to John in California. John, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Uh, good evening, gentlemen. Hey, what's on your mind, John? Well, the FCC is just like the IRS. They operate uh, without lawful authority. If you check the regulations and the law that Congress enacted concerning the FCC, you'll find that the FCC is only allowed to control interstate, that's state-to-state communications. They have no lawful authority to regulate communications uh, broadcast within the state. Would you say that's why the three pirate broadcasters in Orlando were arrested by the sheriff instead of the FCC? I don't know. I don't know the details on that. <clears throat> I do know that people have been arrested for broadcasting within the state, not going over state lines uh, within their local community. Were they arrested and, by um, the FCC in that particular instance? Pardon? Were they were they arrested by the FCC in the instance? Um, you know, broadcast oh, yes. inside the state. Yes, yeah. The FCC is uh, nothing but mouthpiece for uh, corporate broadcast America. Well, it, you know, corporate broadcast America used to be significantly smaller. I think it was uh, late '80s, early '90s when they uh, deregulated and made it so that uh, you know companies could own quite a few more radio stations. It used to be that you couldn't own very many, so there wasn't really a a giant corporation behind, you know, any one radio station. The FCC has been around since '39, I think. Yeah, something like that. The, the good news is the uh, the corporations are breaking up at this point. They're being sold off. They're selling off their stations, and so we are seeing an an increase in ownership of the existing licensed stations, which is going to do is going to inject a a bit of much needed competition into the into the industry. So that's a good thing. And it happened on its own without the FCC changing their rules and regulations about who can own what. It just simply happened because the the big guys got too big. They just got to the point where they weren't really able to manage effectively all of the radio station properties they had across the country and they just they said, you know what, screw it, we're selling off uh, some of our properties because it's just not worth it anymore. So the big behemoth Clear Channel isn't as big as it was a year ago, and uh, after the end of this year, it's not going to be as big as it is right now. So that's a little bit of good news. John, do you have any other thoughts for us? No, nothing else. Very good. Thanks Thank for you. the call, sir. 800-259-9231. You know, speaking of the FCC and government regulation, there's a bit of scary news from ArsTechnica.com. Turns out, 
that 24% of Americans say the Internet can function for a short time as a replacement for a significant other. 20% are open to chipping their own children in order to track their location. 11% would be willing to surgically implant a device inside their brains that would allow direct mental access to the Internet. But the more interesting number is how many Americans support government regulation of Internet video. Sites like YouTube, for instance. We'll find out how many want that here in moments. Hour 2 is coming up. It's Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We launch in hour number two of the program. You can bring up anything. The toll-free number is 1-800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. 800-259-9231. Last hour, we spent a little bit of time talking about the FCC and how it is that they are effectively crushing the radio industry with their regulations. Many in the industry believe that the FCC protects them from unlicensed competitors when, in fact, it's really the FCC and all of its regulations that are slowly but surely strangling the industry to death uh, with its awful tentacles that it's managed to get into so many different areas of uh, the business. So that was one point, and it ties right into this story from ArsTechnica.com about the Internet and regulation thereof. Thank goodness we don't have that yet in this country. This isn't, uh, it's not yet gotten to the point of Red China or Australia, where in China they have internet filters on every internet service provider's connection, cutting out things like pictures of the Tiananmen Square massacre other uh, and other things the, uh, the Chinese government just doesn't want its people to see. You also have the Australian government. That is now mandating that all Internet service providers provide clean Internet internet access to their customers unless requested otherwise. So if you want to have unfiltered access, you have to opt in, if you will. You have to or, or opt out of the government mandate and opt into some sort of unfiltered access level. So these are the points at which governments around the world have started to take control of the Internet. They have gotten their feet wet, if you will. In the United States, in America, we've, we've been fortunate so far that uh, the government people here have yet to really figure out how to effectively regulate the Internet. They have passed some legislation affecting pornography uh, and, the, gambling. and the reporting requirements. They have now also, thank you for bringing that up, right, they banned gambling, Internet gambling last year, which was a huge thing. So I guess, you're, I guess the, uh, the U.S. government has gotten its feet wet uh, in regulating the Internet, at least as far as standard vice is concerned right they they're they're attacking the normal areas where they 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 can easily get away with mm-hmm. gambling and sex well if the people that were pulled by Zogby International according to arstechnica.com get their way then the federal government's going to be getting a whole lot more restrictive mm. the results come from a new poll on internet attitudes done by 4 uh, 463 communications and Zogby International uh the poll reveals that three-quarters of those who are over 70 support government regulation or a rating system for online video. Well, 
the people over 70 shouldn't be telling those of us who actually use the internet how you know why what it is that we should be dealing with here that's that's crazy that number decreases sharply as the age range decreases but more than half of all americans thought that the government should be involved in at least some form of internet video monitoring well <laughs> if you took the 70 year olds out it would be less than half of unfortunately 70 year olds vote every single time that's true this is the sort of finding that feels like a stake through the heart to libertarians. Writing at the Tech Liberation Front, Adam Therrier of the Progress and Freedom Foundation argued that policymakers will eventually jump on the lightly regulated Internet and start gorging their regulatory appetites, saying to themselves, we must grow regulation, we must expand the tentacles of the regulatory state to include all those new technologies of freedom. We cannot let people think and act for themselves. In case it wasn't clear from the quote, Therrier considers this a bad thing. Certainly, there's reason to think that such a scenario will eventually play out in Washington. The FCC is currently trying to decide if it can come up with a working definition for violent content in order to regulate it on both broadcast television and even cable. Sexual content and language are already regulated by the agency, and as the Internet becomes an increasingly capable substitute, uh, substitute for or complement to television, calls for ratings and regulation will no doubt arise. Such calls have been resisted successfully by video game makers who've used a voluntary rating system... Barely, to, by the hair of their chinny-chin-chin. Chin. Right, uh, to head off increased government controls. But Internet video is already coming under attack around the world, and it does raise some provocative questions for society. Should user-generated content sites, for instance, block the viewing of clips of vandalism or violence? UK school officials are already trying to address the issue after vandals began posting their work on YouTube. And then there are privacy concerns. Work. <laughs> Few broadcast networks in at least the U.S. would show a video of a couple cavorting in the ocean, but a clip of a Brazilian model having sex on the beach with her boyfriend was widely available through YouTube. The case even prompted a Brazilian ban on the website for some time. How these issues will play out in the United States is anyone's guess, but at some point, talk of regulation and ratings will probably enter the picture. When that happens, it appears a sizable number of Americans will support it. Pretty disturbing trend that Americans have been conditioned so effectively by this government to think that they can't handle maybe they don't believe it about themselves but the right. next door neighbor the next guy can't handle right. it right the the neighbor can't handle uh policing his kids as far as what it is they can and can't consume when it comes to the radio and the television so they believe that that's also that needs to be the case for the internet that we need mommy government to step in and and say yes you can watch this or no no that's only for big people you can't see that without you know some sort of age verification system and i think it's it's sad i would i would concur with you that it's uh, that, that it's sad there's you know it doesn't make any sense. The government's going to fail at this. Um, you know, oh, they will fail. Yes. Absolutely fail. Sure, they shut down. You know, they, they regulate YouTube. I was hearing uh, a news uh, news segment today on the radio where they were saying they were people were extolling MySpace for the great job they've done of limiting people's access to pedophiles and kids or whatever the hell it is that MySpace is doing. Well, as far 49, as I, I heard that story, too, and it said 49 state attorneys general were coming down hard on MySpace and basically coercing them into doing this. Well, yeah, that's what they're doing. But look, MySpace is yesterday's news at this point. That's true. 
the 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 cool kids, the he, the hip kids, the the hip pedophiles, they are off on some other website that you and I have never heard. You've heard of it. I haven't heard of it. <laughs> yeah, because I'm tied in with the pedophiles. Well, you just <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm not saying you're tied in with the pedophiles. I'm simply saying that you're on the internet more than I am, and you likely know whatever that's. The site trends is. move faster than the government can keep up with. Right, and that's what's going to happen with YouTube. Sure, they'll regulate YouTube, but somebody will come out with a new um, site just like YouTube right. that's unregulated, and then what are they going to? Do. They already have uh, competing People are gambling sites. online in the United States right now, and it's illegal. They already have competing sites to YouTube. So I think you're right, Mark. The, if these government video, internet video regulations do come to pass, they probably will be targeting the most popular sites. And that's unfortunate because YouTube is a great product. It mm-hmm. really is. Uh, and, and they're going to end up paying the price by having to implement whatever just absurd and unnecessary regulatory system that the government mandates that they put on their uh, that they put on their website and that is going to drive business elsewhere and dry up YouTube's user base and that's just it's it's an unnecessary tragedy and I, I hope it doesn't happen I hope Google the owner of YouTube fights tooth and nail uh, to keep their site as free as it as it possibly can be and I'd like well, to point Google's out powerful well I'd like to point out that the marketplace is already handling uh, much of this. As far as explicit sexual content is concerned, YouTube doesn't allow that. Well, you you have to get it. I don't know what they allow and what they don't, but I know that you have to have a YouTube uh, account if you want to see stuff that's of some kind of uh, you know PG thirteen and above. True, there if are. If you want to see girls kissing, you have to have a YouTube account. That's true. There's there are three types of video. I guess you can you can classify uh, for YouTube. One is viewable by everybody without logging into the site. Two is you certify that you're an adult by creating an account and clicking a button to claim that you're an adult. Therefore, you can see perhaps some of the more violent or somewhat more explicit, like you say, girls kissing, maybe touching each other. But then there's a third level, which you never see on YouTube, which is real explicit. You know, anything that's, that involves nudity, anything that involves sexual content, anything that uh, you, you wouldn't see on cable television, YouTube's not allowing on their website either. And you could go, Mark, and start a YouTube account and upload porn to YouTube if you wanted to. But it's not going to stay there long. But it won't stay there long because as soon as somebody sees it, they flag it. YouTube spots the flag. They go and investigate it. If it doesn't meet their terms of con- terms and conditions, they take it down off the site. So the site's already very, very good at controlling its own content, despite the millions of people that are using it and uploading videos at any given moment in time. So let's let the marketplace handle it. It's doing a fine job so far. Well, one of the reasons that I, I suspect that YouTube uh, regulates itself is the threat of the um, government coming in and... and you know. No, I think it's because it doesn't want that user base on its website. That's all. It doesn't want to be known as the porn tube. It's allowing it the porn be. industry to do that. More on the way. You can take control. Free Talk Live, 800-259-9231. Should we regulate the Internet? This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. Toll free, 800-259-9231. That would be the SACL CAI toll free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. 800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. Get signed up for the updates. Whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show, you will know first if you're on the updates list. And you can get on it by going to updates.freetalklive.com. That's updates.freetalklive.com. The Republican Liberty Caucus welcomes new members in the pursuit of individual rights, limited government, and free enterprise principles, all within the GOP. Visit rlc.org and click join us today. 
We'll find liberty together. That's rlc.org. 1-800-259-9231 to the phones and the fun. Let's talk to Sam in Texas. Sam on the amp line. Hey, Sam. Hey, good evening, gentlemen. What's on your mind, sir? I have a uh, hypothetical situation I want to run by you both and get your opinion. Uh, let's say I've, I have the chance to take on a fat government contract uh, filming Homeland Security's internal news show. Okay, so not only would this give me really great insights into how they work, mm-hmm. uh, but it would also, you know, it's a fat government contract. I could make as much as $5 million a year uh, doing this, this work. Uh, but because it's Homeland Security, you know, there's a privacy aspect to it. They want to look into my background and my family. Right. Uh, and I don't, I don't like that because I am a privacy advocate. So, you know, I think about this, and it's, I could take that $5 million, turn it around, fund, uh, you know, We the People, FTL, uh, Downsides DC. We could hire a, a bank of liberty attorneys to just defend people that want to use them. Uh, and so, but it's hard to become part of the problem in order to fund the solution. So well, do the ends justify the means? Let me go first. <laughs> in this, uh, I, you know, I would say if you're talking about a, a contract of that size, and I don't know how long you have to work for that um, amount of money, but it seems like you'd probably be in contract with them for a while. Um, you're opting for that kind of privacy invasion. They're not doing it, uh, you know, just they're not just doing it uh, for no reason at all, which is really the kind of privacy that that you advocate. You advocate that people that, you know, deserve to keep their privacy should be able to keep their privacy. That's true, Mark, but it's more of a principles issue. Am I bending my own principles in order to accept this contract? Well, your principle is that you believe that people that haven't, you know, have no interaction with the government or have a small interaction with the government deserve to have their privacy from a constitutional standpoint. Entering into a contract with the government. Well, no, is there are other principles in play here. Uh, the principle I think that you might be most concerned about, and correct me if I'm wrong, Sam, is the one that involves taking stolen money. Well, yeah, and and just the fact that I'm I'm becoming part of what's wrong with government in the first place. If that makes sense. There are different ways that you can look at this, uh, and I definitely understand where you're coming from. I think that, for instance, when I was less uh, principled, less knowledgeable about the uh, the movement of the, the liberty movement, when I was in college, I took a government scholarship to go to community college uh, because I got an, I got a, above a 3.0 when I was in government high school, and as a result, the state government was willing to... Uh, the taxpayers were going to foot the bill uh, to send me to community college. Yeah, and I took student loans. Yeah, well, uh, that wasn't a loan. It was just they were just paying for my college. Uh, And so I took that. And one could say that, well, you've paid into the system. They've stolen a bunch of your money. So, therefore, you should, if you have the opportunity to take some of it back without without too many strings attached, then there's not really anything wrong with that. Though it's probably not the case that you've paid $5 million to the government, so therefore you would be taking back more than they had stolen from you. Uh, so you could look at it from, and well, you know, the money's there. They're going to hire somebody. They might as well hire me, so I can take some of that money and and put it to a good excuse. I can think of ways. I can think of ways to rationalize this. It's just the. I guess the question is, can you work for the Department of Homeland Security? <laughs> well, that's just it. I hire people to do it, and I keep my interaction to a minimum. But I think it would show me some great things about how they work and help me understand. Um, you know, how to eventually be their undoing. 
I, again, I, I can understand and agree, and I would not call you any less libertarian for doing that, because there are some people within the uh, the liberty movement who believe it's it's part of their calling. You know, what I'm doing is I'm getting on the radio every night talking about freedom and the issues. But some people believe it's it's their job and their role to infiltrate the system. I don't know how effective of a method that is, but some people certainly believe in it. And they want to go in there and they want to take up some of these jobs in the bureaucracies. So yeah. I guess uh, less desirable people can't get them. And I understand that, and I certainly would rather deal with a libertarian uh, behind a, the desk of a bureaucracy than some authoritarian nut job. So, again, I would never jump down someone's throat. It's not the right path for me. But someone has asked me the question, well, you know, what if the ONDCP, the National Drug Control people, uh, the, that particular bureaucracy, what if the uh, the drug policy guys, what if the anti-drug people came in and wanted to buy some spots on your show? Would you take the money? I've actually asked this question to you. Right, <laughs> and I, I thought, well, I don't think I would want to do live reads for them, but would I take money for a 30-second spot? Sure, I'd take that money, and I'd probably put another spot right on the outside of it that uh, that discounted it in you know, some way. It's, it's kind of like um, taking money from the white supremacists that donated to Ron Paul. Yeah. And he's saying, you know, look, I can turn this around and promote the message of liberty. You could certainly put it that way. But then again, one might also make the uh, the counter argument that, well, once you start getting used to taking money from uh, the white exactly. supremacists or the government in this case, then inevitably they're going to start asking for a little bit more and you're going to take it because you're used to it. And before you know it, you've thrown your principles out the window. That's in order why to... you have to give it all away, I think. That's why you have to give away all the money, you say? Yeah, so that you're not actually taking it and getting comfortable with it. It's actually going to promote liberty and not to mm. me personally. So is this a real offer that you've got on the table, or was it just a hypothetical? Hypothetical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, if they've seen any of your work, they wouldn't want to have anything yeah, to do exactly. with you. exactly. <laughs> but I bring it up for a reason. Very so. good. Uh, Sam, by the way, is uh, doing some great video work. You've got the Barry Cooper video online. Has that been getting some views? Has that been getting promoted anywhere? Yeah, it's, it's about a thousand. It didn't go viral. I wish I would have, you know, had everything ready to put it out that night. And and it would have been nice to have a second camera further back that could have caught the whole event. Mm. So there's some things I've learned from it, but uh, I thought it was pretty good. So if you want to see Barry Cooper from NeverGetBusted.com encountering John McCain in the elevator where the Liberty Forum was taking place at that hotel, Sam's got it on his YouTube account, which is YouTube slash Obscured Truth, correct? Correct. All right, very good, Sam. Anything else on your mind tonight? Uh, I think sometimes leaders lead from behind by empowering others. Thanks for the call, dude. Appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. Would love to hear your thoughts on Sam's hypothetical, because I think we covered several of the bases, uh, the pro and the con. Uh, Really, it's a personal issue that you just have to decide for yourself. Yeah, I, I think that think, that's mostly what it is, that it's it's a personal issue. Yeah, I, I won't think any I won't think badly of somebody that's working for uh, for the government. I understand that some people feel that's something that they should be doing. And if that's what they feel like they should be doing, who am I to question that? Yeah, I can sound vitriolic at times about it, but uh, you know, other times I sit back and I think, and I would rather have a libertarian sitting across the desk uh, at whatever ex bureaucracy than uh, somebody else. A libertarian certainly going to be more understanding when we finally eliminate their bureaucracy. <laughs> <laughs> so, would love to hear from you though. Did we miss any points on that? One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Do you want to school us? Take us to task? 
for possibly even encouraging someone to take a government job or a government contract? 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. would love to hear from you. Bring up whatever you want. This is Free Talk Live. It's time to pick a candidate, a serious candidate for president, and start moving forward. That candidate is George Phillies. This is George Phillies, Libertarian for President. I approved of this message, paid for by Phillies 2008. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231. That is, if you'd like to bring up whatever's on your mind, 800-259-9231, or comment on one of the things we've been talking about so far tonight, or comment on a show from last week. Whatever you want to do goes, 800-259-9231. How would you like to lose up to 25 pounds in just nine days without permanently changing your diet? Check out this amazing doctor-recommended product. Go to ftldiscount.com, read some real testimonials, find out how to order. That's ftldiscount.com. 800-259-9231, our website, freetalklive.com. We've got live streams, broadband version, dial-up version, you name it, we've got it, and it's all for free at BBS. Or excuse me, that's uh, that's not where I'm directing you. I want you to go to freetalklive.com. We'll tell you about the BBS later. Again, the live streams are at freetalklive.com. Okay, so we were just talking about people accepting libertarians, people that believe in freedom and want to get the government generally out of their lives, the quandary that some of them might face if they come up against the offer of a government contract or perhaps uh, looking at getting a government job. How should a libertarian respond to that? Well, individually, of course. There shouldn't be any guiding uh, principle here. I think that each libertarian, each individual, has to look at their individual circumstances, what they want for their life, what they consider uh, to be crossing the line and not, and make the decision based on that. If you disagree, we'd love to hear from you. In the meantime, let's continue talking about money, Mark, and how people handle it, or rather how they could handle it better. What are we going to talk about here? Well, uh, from the L.A. Times, it's an opinion piece, and I thought it was pretty cool. Why people believe weird things about money. Evolution accounts for a lot of our strange ideas about finance. Hmm. I would have uh, I would have chalked it up to government school and just <laughs> of course you would. indoctrination of mass ignorance. Michael Shermer. Would you We've ra- had on the show, by the way. Uh, is that Michael? So? Yeah. Great. Would you rather uh, earn $50,000 a year while other people make twenty five? Now listen now. You make fifty, they make $25,000 a year. Or would you rather earn $100,000 a year while other people get 250000 Assume for the moment the prices of goods and services will stay the same. 100000 no doubt. Sure. Surprisingly, stunningly, in fact, research shows that the majority of people select the first option. <laughs> They would rather make twice as much as the others, even if that meant that earning half as much as they could um, otherwise have. How irrational is that? The result is one among thousands of experiments in behavioral economics, neuroeconomics, and evolutionary economics um, conclusively demonstrating that we are every bit as irrational when it comes to making money as as we are in most other aspects of our lives. In this case, relative social ranking trumps absolute financial status. Here's a related thought experiment. Would you rather be A or B? A is a waiting line in a movie theater. When he gets uh, to the ticket window, he is told that he's the 100,000th customer of the theater, and he just won $100. $100, excuse me. B is waiting in the line of a different theater. The man in front of him wins $1,000 for being the one millionth customer of the theater. Mr. B wins $150. 
Amazingly, most people said they would prefer to be A. So A won $100, B won $150, but in the B case, somebody else won more money than they did. That's so weird. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Let's see. In other words, they would rather forego 50 bucks in order to alleviate the feeling of regret that comes with not winning the $1,000. Wow. Essentially, they would be willing to pay $50 for regret therapy. Huh. Regret falls under a uh, psychological effect known as loss aversion. Research shows that before we risk an investment, we need to feel assured that the potential gain is twice what the possible loss might be because a loss feels twice as bad as a gain feels. Uh, you know, uh, being, and this is in general, good, right? This is excluding people that are prone to taking risks, right? This is the average person we're talking about. Here. It's right. They, you know, it's just a, a study, and this is what the majority of people came up with. Okay. What's weird and irrational, um, but it's the way it is. Human, as it sounds, loss aversion appears to be a trait we've inherited genetically because it is found in other primates, such as capuchin monkeys. Always, oh, they always reference in, reference the capuchin monkeys. Hmm. That and macaques or macaques. Yeah, yeah. In 2006 experiment, these small primates were given 12 tokens that they were allowed to trade with the experimenters for either apple slices or grapes. In a preliminary mm -hmm. trade, the monkeys were given the <laughs> apple slices <laughs> were given the opportunity to take to trade tokens with one experimenter for a grape and with another experimenter for apple slices. Okay. One uh, capuchin monkey in the experiment, for example, traded seven tokens for grapes, five tokens for apple slices. <laughs> a baseline like this was established for each monkey so the scientists knew each monkey's preferences. The experimenters then changed the conditions. In a second trial, the monkeys were given additional tokens to trade for food, only to discover that the price of one of the food items had doubled. According to the law of okay. supply and demand, the monkeys should now uh, purchase more of the relatively cheap food and less of the relatively expensive food. Make sense? They've got more tokens, and one of the items has got has doubled. Okay. And that is um, precise. Did they double their amount of tokens, or just we're not saying how many more they got? They got more, probably okay. enough to be able to buy the same amount of stuff so they, you would know their preferences. And mm. that is precisely what they did. So far, so rational. So wait, it, what did they do? They they did they they did what you would thought they did um, would have done. They they bought the, the the logical thing. They bought the cheap food. Hmm. But in another trial in which the experimental conditions were manipulated in such a way that the monkeys had a choice of a fifty percent chance of a bonus fifty um and and a or a bonus fifty uh, percent chance of, or fifty percent chance of loss. I keep on saying bonus and there's no bonus involved in that. So it's either a fifty percent chance of a bonus or fifty percent chance of a loss. The monkeys were twice as averse to the losses as they were motivated by the gain. Okay, wait, I, don't, I, don't, I missed something here. So what was it? If, if they were purchasing either one of the products, they would have a 50% chance of one or the other? The Because um, the monkeys were buying grapes and the monkeys were buying apples. And you're saying that they introduced well, a 50% in, chance into whether or not they would lose? Somehow or another. Again. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll read the whole thing uh, rather than me trying to explain it. So far, so rational. But in another trial in which the experimental conditions were manipulated in such a way that the monkeys had a choice of a 50% chance of a bonus or a 50% chance of a loss, the monkeys were twice as averse to the loss as they were motivated by the gain. So I think that they had uh, they, they set it up between monkeys and one of them would give them the, the, the chance to get a loss um, you know, or no loss. And then another would give them a chance to give a bonus. Or no bonus. So they, that's what they chose through between. Okay. Okay. 
Remarkable. Monkeys show the same sensitivity to changes in supply and demand and, um, and prices as people do, as well as displaying one of the most powerful effects in all of human behavior, loss aversion. It is extremely unlikely. Why would they want to take the 50% chance at a loss? Was it that possible they double, they would get twice as much if they took the risk for the 50% loss? Perhaps they had, um, you know, it just went, um, maybe it was the choice between um, no loss, no gain, and a, either a 50% loss or a 50% gain. Oh, okay, okay. Maybe that I, makes more sense. I misunderstood. Excuse okay, me. so they went the safe route when they could possibly lose. Excellent thinking like a monkey, Ian. Okay, good. It is extremely unlikely um, that this is common, that this is a common trait that would have evolved independently and in parallel between multiple primate species that different times and different places around the world. Instead, there is an early evolutionary origin for such preferences and bias, and these traits evolved into a common ancestor to monkeys, apes, humans, and that was what was passed down through the generations. If there are behavioral analogies between humans and other primates, the underlying brain mechanism driving the choice preferences most certainly dates back to a common ancestor more than 10 million years ago. Think about that. Millions of years ago, the, psycho- the psychology of relative social ranking, supply and demand, and economic loss aversion evolved in the earliest of primate traders. Hmm. And we still have it today. Yep. This, uh, this research goes a long way towards debunking one of the biggest myths in all of psychology and economics known as homo economics. Uh, nomicus, excuse me. This is the theory that economic man is rational, self-maximizing, and efficient in, make- excuse me, in making choices. But why should this be so? Given the, um, what we now know about how irrational and emotional people are in other aspects of life, mm-hmm. why would we suddenly become rational and logical when shopping or investing? Mm. Consider one more experimental example to prove the point. The, ult- the ultimatum game. If you're given $100 to split between yourself and your game partner, whatever division of money um, you propose, if your partner accepts it, you get to keep your share. If, however, your partner rejects it, neither of you get any money. We'll get into that here in moments. 800-259-9231. Risk aversion has been bred into us for millions of years. Very interesting. Uh, We'll come back with more. You can take control. Bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website. Freetalklive.com is the place to go. Features are for free. So enjoy those on us. And if you like the show, want to help support Free Talk Live, then you can go and purchase my house. Uh, the price <laughs> the price has been reduced yet again. Uh, now asking only $144,900. Nice 3-2 minutes away from the beach in sunny, beautiful Sarasota, Florida. Uh, this is that's, that's less than the price I paid for my house, Mark. I, I, you know, I'm not saying it's not a good deal. It less just than the price tickles I the paid. crap out of me every time I hear it. Less than the price I paid for it and doesn't include the uh, tremendous amount of money that I put into upgrades and remodeling. And uh, you're really going to get a hell of a deal. House.freetalklive.com to learn more, see pictures, and get in touch with a realtor. House.freetalklive.com. And sound money's under attack. The Liberty Dollar offices were raided by the FBI and Secret Service. And all of its precious metals, computers, and records were seized. Your help is urgently needed. Go to libertydollar.org and sign up for their updates and register for the lawsuit. Don't let the government steal your money and destroy the Liberty Dollar. Go to libertydollar.org. Now, Mark, we're talking about why it is that people, in many cases, are, are just not so great with money. And Michael Shermer from Skeptic, I believe from Skeptic Magazine, is 
going into some of the real historical, very interesting sort of evol- evolutionary, yeah, yeah, evolutionary reasons for this. Uh, it goes all the way back to chimpanzees and monkeys uh, as to why we are so risk averse. Uh, as to uh, they, they've done some very interesting studies that have pointed these things out, and basically. I mean, there's a reason to be risk-averse. You don't want to die. I mean, in general, you don't want to take certain risks that will result in you losing your life. Similarly, you don't want to take risks that will result in you losing your uh, your wealth. So it's understandable, uh, but it's it's sort of... It is manifested in, in today's a, world where you don't die from uh, you know a, a small financial loss. Um, it doesn't make as much sense. Yeah, it has manifested in some very interesting ways. I'd like to correct something you said. You said it goes back to uh, chimpanzees and other types of monkeys, and it doesn't go back to them because we are—they are not our ancestors in an evolutionary sense. Um, they're not. They're not. No. Uh, I've seen the little graphic where it shows the monkey growing into the man. Is that not? That's well. That's not exactly right. Not right. Uh, you know, the idea is is that great apes like the chimpanzee are, um, is you know has a common ancestor with man. Not that in fact man uh, evolved from chimpanzees. Do you get it? Yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. So it was some so sort it doesn't of go ape, back. Some sort of ape like predecessor, Critter, right? Um, but we they did do experiments on chimpanzees and these uh, other types of monkeys. Okay, I can't remember. And there was exactly. one more experiment you were going to share with us, right? Yeah, this one's great. Okay, let me uh, re- reread for those that uh, are tuning in for the first time. Consider one more experimental example to prove the point. The ultimatum game. You are given a one hundred dollars to split between yourself and your partner. Whatever the division of money you propose, if your partner accepts it, you get to keep your share. If, however, your partner rejects it, neither of you gets any money at all. Okay. I uh, split a 50-50. Uh, that, that's, that's your choice. What if I uh, am your partner and I say, yeah, I'm not going to accept 50-50? So then we'd both be out of the money, right? Okay. Okay. No, all right. Just see, what, see, see how it goes, though? I mean, <laughs> but if you would have... Uh, let me read on. How much should you offer? Why not suggest a 90-10 split? If your game partner is rational, self-interested, and a money maximizer, the very embodiment of homo economicus, he isn't going to turn down a free 10 bucks, is he? Well, research shows that the proposal um, proposals that offer much less than a 70-30 split are usually rejected. Mm. And in the same way, what if I'm just a, you know, I want more of that $100. Because he feels I want insulted. Six, I want 60%, and you don't get to have your 40 bucks unless I get 60 Pal. Because he feels insulted. The reason why he wouldn't take the $10, $10 offer is because, well, that's not fair. The uh, the other guy's getting 90 So I could understand why someone would turn that down. Why? Because they aren't fair. Says who? Says the moral emotion of reciprocal altruism, which uh, evolved over the uh, paleolithic eons, as though they know, to demand fairness on the part of our potential exchange partners. I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine. Only works... If I know you will respond with something approaching parody, the moral sense of fairness is hardwired into our brains and is an emotion shared by most people and primates tested for it, including sure. people from non-Western cultures and those living um, close to how our Paleolithic ancestors lived. When well, that comes- makes sense. I mean, if you're going to scratch someone's back, you do want them to reciprocate because there's there's something to be said for giving. Giving to others, right? To uh, to just give them, you know, scratch their back without necessarily expecting something in return. There's something to be said for that. It's very nice. It's a nice thing to do, and mm-hmm. will certainly score you points. Uh, but you, if you don't score points, if there's not any sort of reciprocation down the line, uh, then if you continue to be requesting, uh, you know, if you're continue to, 
if you continue to scratch someone's back per their request, but they never reciprocate, eventually right. you're going to be frustrated with that, and you're going to say, screw you, go rub it up against a tree or something like that. Yeah, have fun. Yeah, so that's, I mean, that's a reasonable response. Well, or um, if you scratch their back more than they scratch yours, I think is what this experiment's about. But that's still not even, that's not even as accurate because I expend calories and time scratching your back. Mm -hmm. With this $100 example, I think it's really great. It's that, you know, why not take the free 10 bucks? But they won't. Right, and they know what the they know what the rules are in advance of oh, that yeah. experiment. I, I believe so. I mean, that's that's what it says here. Why wouldn't they? Yeah, that's weird. That's weird to me. Then okay, um, and his last little line is here. When it comes to money, as in most aspects of life, reason and rationality are trumped by emotions and feelings. Um, just to give him a little plug, Michael Shermer is the publisher of Skeptic Magazine, a columnist for Scientific American, and the author of The Mind of the Market: Compassionate Apes. Competitive humans and lessons from evolutionary economics. That's mind of the market. So basically, if you're taking a risk financially, any sort of a risk, you are going against your evolutionary guidelines. Um, no, if the risk is, if, if the if the reward from the risk is high enough, then it, what was it over? It was twice as it was at least twice the investment, right? Yeah. So if you were to double, double or your more your investment, then it's no problem taking that risk. And that's but if why it's less than if it's less than that, then you won't take it. And that's it. why scammers work um, so well in the financial industry is because if they offer big returns, then um, they're likely you're likely to get it. But whereas the returns you can expect to get are somewhere between ten and fifteen percent from the market. Whereas if you're being offered a triple, let's say you're being offered tripling your money, then <laughs> that should be something you should consider a serious risk and and really. Yeah, if you're offering, do it. if they're offering you tri triple your money, do not give them the money. Right. I'm not saying that they are a scam artist. I'm saying statistically, good to be true. they are very likely to be a scam artist. Yeah, or they are likely to be, you know, uninformed about what the risk is, and therefore, you know, it's not that good of a thing. Now, you may triple your money out, you know, in a, on a long-term sense or something like that, but likely, if they're talking about triple returns, you really should look deeply and see what the uh, annual returns are, and yeah. 1-800-259-9231. Bring up whatever's on your mind. Uh, we go into the email box. Question from Jay. He says, I'm interested in your thoughts on the justification for a government that follows. Jay says, we'd most likely agree that an individual cannot grant anything to others that he himself first does not own. So an individual cannot grant authority to enact violence to others if he does not first own that authority himself. But... Does the individual own the authority to protect himself or act out force against others that acted out on him first? Well, yes. Of course. That's not authority. I don't think that, that the concept of authority is sort of losing here. Responsibility or um, freedom. Right. When you are attacked, when someone attacks you. or But you're or, an authority on your own freedom. That much is true. So, yes, that's authority. That's fine. Okay, but generally when you speak of authority, you think of authority over others and well, control over others. He said others. that it's authority that you have, and that's authority that you have. So do you have the authority to protect yourself? Of course you do. It's you. Uh, he goes on. He says, if, if he does, then he does have the authority to grant other individuals or organizations the ability to protect him. This is why the only moral grounds for a government are to protect the individual's life and property. It has no moral authority beyond this. Well... Uh, okay, I see where he's coming from, and I agree that, yes, if you have the authority to protect yourself, you can indeed grant that to others, like a private company that you would hire to provide you with or such a service. Or cops and the military. 
But it's not the same, Mark, because, because the, the cops in the military, you have not granted anything to them in any sort of explicit manner. There never was an agreement. There is no social contract, and so therefore there is no transfer of authority. It's all imagined. It's all fantasy. So when you're hiring a company to provide you with protection services, you're very explicitly getting into a very real contract. Whereas when it comes to the government, they don't have your authority. You have not granted it to them unless you've contracted with them, and 99% of us have not done so. Well, um, it wouldn't be an issue. The, the, the conversation that we're having, it wouldn't be an issue if the cops in the military weren't being used by the people that control them for uh, things other than protecting people. What they're well, being used right. for is to, uh, you know, prosecute the drug war and, oh, yeah. um, and, and conflicts totally. in would, nations it, it totally where we don't have any be business. An issue. But it is a huge issue because they are being used for those things and nobody ever granted them any authority to do any of it. Ever. You can take control of the airwaves. Hour 3 is coming up. It's Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live, we launch an hour number three of the program. You can bring up whatever you want toll-free at 800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. All the features on the site we give away, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Our number, 800-259-9231. Start things out tonight. We're going to go back to... Something related to something we talked about in the first hour, and that was licensing. And we were covering licensing of radio stations, but this applies to anything. This applies to licensing of plumbers, or as uh, Bill Stegerwald at the Tribune Review, PittsburghLive.com puts it, Want to become an accountant, architect, barber, chiropractor, cosmetologist, dental hygienist, dentist, paramedic, funeral director, hearing aid uh, fitter, insurance agent, land surveyor, lawyer, nursing home administrator, nurse, occupational therapist, optometrist, pesticide applicator, pharmacist, (laughs) uh, physical therapist, physician assistant, physician, podiatrist, psychologist, public school teacher, real estate agent, real estate appraiser, school counselor, stockbroker, social worker, truck driver, veterinarian, or vet's assistant? Well, hold on now. Before you can work in one of these choice jobs, you must first get permission from your government Yeah. in America, the land of the free. Every job above is a licensed occupation in all 50 states. That means that before you can work in one, you have to pay whatever fees, pass whatever tests, and meet whatever training, education, or apprenticeship requirements your home state's professional and occupational licensing boards and commissions demand, no matter how arbitrary, absurd, or onerous they are. And they often are arbitrary and absurd. Unfortunately, these 33 categories don't begin to show how widespread job regulation is. According to a new study by the Reason Foundation, more than 1,000 occupations are regulated to some degree by states, and about 20% of the country's workforce, that's one out of five people, must obtain a license to work. One out of five Americans have to ask government's permission to do the job they want to do. Land of the free! Home of the brave. The average state license. No, you'd be brave if you refused to go and get the uh, the license, which very few Americans do. Well, you'd be brave, and somewhere some would say bordering on dumb. The average state licenses 92 job categories, says 
The study author, Adam Summers, California, but believe it or not, they're in the lead with 177 licensed Well, I'm not surprised. <laughs> including talent agents and li- uh, librarians why, in why, California. Why does a librarian need to be uh, licensed? Is someone going to die from the librarian's actions? Missouri has the least... 41, while Pennsylvania has 62. The article is written in Pennsylvania. Among the most idiotic examples are Maryland, who licenses fortune tellers, Louisiana, licensing florists, and Arizona, licensing rainmakers. What does that mean? <laughs> a person who goes... goes a rain chant? Yeah, well, I mean, you can do it in a surprisingly different amount of ways, but yes. What's interesting here, Mark, is that... they don't want people cheated by hucksters, so you have to be a, a you know, licensed <laughs> rainmaker. What really proves, uh, just right here, I mean, even without even finishing the article here, what proves right on the surface that all of this is unnecessary is the fact, the discrepancies between the states, that Missouri only licenses 41 categories of uh, job or occupation, while California does 177. How is it that the consumers in Missouri that are buying things from the over 100 unlicensed uh, firms or unlicensed occupations that are that are doing business with people that are unlicensed in Missouri, how on earth can they be protected? How on earth can these customers have their interests looked out for by these, these bandits in industry? Well, the fact is the marketplace does a fine job of regulating itself. The consumers and the consumer advocacy groups and the industries themselves do a fine job of self-regulating. They do. Um, you know, it's it, it's it's ludicrous, but that's the way it is. I have a story on this as soon as you're ready for the, for my story. All right, let me continue here. Propagandists of regulated occupations and state governments both insist, as Pennsylvania does, that job licenses are necessary to pro- here we go to protect the health, safety, and welfare of the public from fraudulent and unethical practitioners. Studies don't prove that, though, Summer says. And most economists, including Milton Friedman, who believe that licensure should be eliminated as a requirement for the practice of medicine, see the scam behind the nanny state smoke. They know that occupational licensing, almost always a result of political lobbying by the very profession being licensed, is a sneaky way to use government power to protect the economic interests of incumbent doctors, lawyers, and pesticide applicators. Yeah. By making it harder and more expensive for new doctors, lawyers, and pesticide applicators to enter the market, competition and the number of practitioners in each field are held down, and salaries, prices, and profits are propped up. Consumers get robbed every day by this public-private racket. So do those who'd like to become dietitians or auctioneers, but can't afford the time or money for training or certification requirements. So does society, which gets less economic growth and innovation. It's maddening. Because of occupational licensing, today Abe Lincoln couldn't practice law, Florence Nightingale couldn't be a nurse, and Albert Einstein couldn't teach physics in a public school in America. But don't despair. Well, they didn't have licenses, and they didn't need licenses at the time, but likely they would have gotten them if they wanted to do such a thing. That's true, but I think his point is that they were able to be successful and uh, without having a license. Yeah. Uh, but don't despair. Our freedom to work isn't totally lost, except for in Iowa, uh, in Iowa, where you do need a license. Any American can still grow up and become a manure applicator without getting <laughs> without getting the government's permission. Cute. It is fu- very funny. But so true, so true to form. In fact, I called in uh, the the local one of the local talk shows in in the area here in Keene over the weekend, and I was talking about I was asking a question, sort of a thought experiment. Why? should government be involved in education at all? And 
I don't remember what the uh, the impetus was for one of the bureaucrats' responses, but the city manager basically uh, came back and pointed out that uh, well, government is already involved in that. Uh, there are a lot of uh, a lot of industry groups that are lobbying government for more control. And I said, yeah, well, that has more to do with the, the people in search of power than it does anything else. And so the pe- the people in government are well aware of what's going on. They just don't do anything to combat it because okay. it doesn't. It's not in their interest to combat that. And people, um, you know, are are happy generally with the status quo. This is the way things are, and because they are the way they are, we have to deal with that. And you can't just, you know, we can't just get rid of these licenses. What'll happen? So what was your story? Well, I was uh, getting my teeth cleaned one time at a dentist's office that I hadn't been to too many times. Uh, as I, rec- I, I only went there for like a year. It was in Sarasota, and uh, the the gal who was cleaning my teeth, uh, it happened to be that her license was on the wall. And I said, oh, boy, a license for cleaning teeth. Now, I didn't try. I, I believe that I uh, didn't deliver this in a manner that made her job look stupid and okay. irrelevant. But um, I'm like, oh, as though you wouldn't be able to clean teeth as well as you um, you currently do without that license, right? You know, that I just think the government, you know, it's something. I can't remember how I delivered it, but basically said, you know, that it's silly that the government requires you to be yeah. licensed to clean teeth. And she said, well, you know, I would understand it in other careers, but um, before that I gave gave an example of uh, the mechanic working on a car, uh, NSE, NSA or ASE certified or whatever, ASE certified, and uh, somehow he can, uh, you know, work on cars and without a certification from the government, why is it that uh, you need one? And she said, well... Mechanics couldn't kill people with their positions. <laughs> she said that cleaning teeth, somebody could die, yeah. which um, it seems really unlikely to me that somebody could die from cleaning teeth. But let's say you poured a bottle of fluoride uh, down your throat. Perhaps she jammed that little utensil. Um, it slipped from her hand and gouged out your brain or something like yeah. that. I don't know. But I'm sure that there's some way the that stretch. you can do it the wrong way and, and somebody can, you know, some kind of bacterial enter your bloodstream. Yeah, yeah, thing, whatever. Right? But I'm like, well... <laughs> I guess I guess you really aren't thinking about the brakes on your car that he's working on, are you? <laughs> and she's like, good point. Oh. Yeah. So mechanics, not certified. Teeth technicians, certified in Florida. Licensed. Mechanics, no, no, no. There's a big difference between being certified and licensed. Licensed is the word you want, Mark, because it's government that hands out licenses. It's usually private agencies uh, like Consumer Reports or Zagat's or whatever these other uh, private certification groups. For in the IT industry, there's uh, Microsoft certifications. There's all kinds of different certifications you can get. Those are industry things. Mm-hmm. Those are voluntarily um, attained. And in in an unlicensed world, what dentist would hire an uncertified uh, hygienist? What dentist would want uncertified staff on hand to be dealing with their customers? They'd lose their customers to the guy across the street that had the certified staff. I know I'd rather have a certified tech working on my teeth than uh, one that I didn't know where they went to school. More on the way. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, and it is your show. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. 800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features there we give away, so enjoy those on us. And they include the bulletin board system. We've got over 300,000 posts 
uh, there for you to get interactive with. Serious issues and fun stuff, you'll find it all. BBS.freetalklive.com. That's BBS.freetalklive.com. Now you can save time and money on common legal matters. Created by top attorneys, LegalZoom.com helps you create reliable legal documents, like your will or a living trust. In minutes, LegalZoom.com. Use code FTL to save 10%. That's LegalZoom.com. I told you I did do this with the will and did, in fact, save 10%. Sweet. 1-800-259-9231. We go to your phone calls. Talk to Dave in New Hampshire. Dave, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hey, guys. Can you hear me all right? Just fine. What's on your mind tonight? Cool. know something the other day Oh, we hey. could hear you all right. Now your cell phone's kind of uh, getting Whoa. iffy on us. Here, let me move around a little bit. Sound- uh, I got a chance. I bumped into, at the Liberty Forum, I bumped into uh, former Homeland Security Director Tom Ridge and yes. got a chance to interview him for uh, the Ridley Report. Hmm, okay. How'd that go? Well, uh, you know, nice and amicable. Uh, he dodged the question a little bit. I told him that he dodged it, and he turned around and answered it. So that was hmm. good. But um, it was uh, it was interesting because at the Liberty Forum, uh, I don't know if you, you guys probably know, I don't know how many of your viewers know, but John McCain's people were staying in the same hotel. Right, and that's why Tom Ridge was there. He was not attending the Liberty Forum, just to make it clear for anyone who was might have been confused. Exactly. Uh, but I, I didn't even know any of this was going on. I, I drive up there, and there's the McCain bus, and uh, sure enough, we're running into all these different uh, bigwigs uh, it was really an awkward thing to have the Liberty Forum and those authoritarians in the same place. Yeah, it was. Uh, well, like I said, Ridge was really polite, uh, and I appreciated that. But, you know, again, it's it's what they do, not what they say that really matters ultimately. Right. Absolutely. These politicians, uh, they know how to be polite in front of a camera, and that's what you had trained on him was uh, was a camera. Yeah. He, um, I think the thing that he said that was most interesting that some, some of the other folks kind of picked up on was, you know, I asked him about the constitutional, where in the Constitution, you know, is it, is it authorized to do something like real ID, you know, because you've taken an oath to the Constitution. And he said, well, yeah, I have. And uh, he said, well, the Constitution doesn't really authorize or forbid it. <laughs> right. And that's the yes, way it does. He's saying, he's saying, he's admitting the, the Constitution does not authorize something like real ID. But but it it does forbid it in that uh, it says Congress shall make no law, and the Ninth and Tenth Amendments make it darn clear that if it's not outlined in the Constitution, then it is forbidden to the the uh, feds. Right, and again, I'm not a constitutionalist. I don't think the Constitution is the end all. Um, but you know, he took an oath to it. Yeah, I didn't. Um, so why am I the one that's having to stand there and uh, and defend the thing and not him? Mm. Well, you know, um, that's that's the way people, you know, the people in the government currently believe about the Constitution is, well, Congress can pass any law that any law that con- the, the Congress, pass, Congress passes is fine and dandy. And uh, so, therefore, the government's allowed to do all this stuff. And they haven't read it. They don't understand it. Certainly not the way we do. So, Dave, what uh, were you calling to promote your interview? Because uh, people can go and see it at RidleyReport.com. Well, I do. I do hope people will watch it. Um, it's not, you know, like say he doesn't say anything super earth-shaking, but that part I thought was revealing that, you know, well, he thinks it's simply because something's not. Well, again, you can't. You don't have things that are neither forbidden nor nor. You can't have something that's like not not forbidden and not expressly allowed in the Constitution because it's either one or the other. Right. How could they forbid every possible iteration of things that um, could possibly come along in the future? Um, Amendment 10 says the powers not delegated to the United States 
the powers not delegated. They have to be specific and enumerated to the United States by the Constitution, nor prohibited to it by the states are reserved to the states respectively or to the people. That seems clear to me right. that everything not specifically mentioned in the Constitution is, in fact, unconstitutional. And that's clear not the way me. things work anymore. Nope. Hasn't been that way for a long time. Yeah. Because it's not good for the politicians. We're never going to get them by, you know, by with with uh, you know, we can't, we're not going to get anywhere arguing law with lawyers, and we're not going to get probably all that far by arguing constitution with these elected people. But the more opposition they sense, I think that's the important thing. I think you're right about that, and that and that is a good point, Dave. And and as always, good hearing from you, and thank you for the call tonight. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Julia and I were talking last night about. We just don't. I, she doesn't. She was saying that she thinks secession at this point is the only option, and I am completely in, in, in agreement with her on that. I just don't see this federal government ever turning around, uh, regardless of what sort of popular support is out there for for liberty. I just, it's so hard to envision them actually changing course and slashing and burning all these government bureaucracies they've created. The, the pressure from those bureaucrats and their unions is going to be far greater than uh, any sort of pressure from potential voters. Well, um, I, we're, you're getting ready for something uh, groundbreaking for me. I'm going to agree with you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What, with what part? I think that we need to secede. Whoa! That's... That's stunning, Mark. I, 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 you know, I, I, I know I, you've been mulling it over, how but about I didn't... A, how about a caveat, though? Okay, all right. We have to take red, white, and blue and the eagle with us. What, what do you mean? For, well, this, I, for the flag? I, for, for, you know, something, uh, New Ham- the Republic of New Hampshire needs to have uh, red, white, and blue and an eagle involved. Mm, why? Because I like red, white, and blue and <laughs> eagles. Why don't you, now, <laughs> why don't, you could have your own flag, Mark, for uh, the Republic of Mark. Well, um, it, it, if, if, if secession's okay and rebellion's okay, and rebellion is uh, codified in the New Hampshire Constitution, mm. and secession seems to be, it's, it seems to me that uh, the governing should be a at some kind of voluntary organization, you know, situation. It seems to me I should be able to have my own republic. I should be able to take my acreage that I have out and uh, you know outside of Keene. And if you're truly sovereign, you should be able to. Yes. And I don't see any reason not uh, that, that that should be you know prohibited, but. Well, well the reason you saw it's what happened with Ed Brown. <laughs> right. Well, the reason it's prohibited is because the bureaucrats want their cash. They want their money. They want their obedience. Well, it's not their cash, and it's not their money. They think it is. They think it is, yeah, and they're going to treat you like it is, which means that you know they're going to whip you like a bad slave. Well, and it's about time that the slaves woke up and started withholding their cash, because if more of us were to do that, if more of us were to actually put our money where our mouths are and withhold that from the federal, I mean, it just at the least withhold it from the federal government. At the least withhold it from them. If more people were to do that, then I think uh, it would encourage others to join that, uh, you know, to jump on that bandwagon and give them the courage they need to say, well, I see that all these other people are doing it now. Okay, I guess I feel comfortable with uh, with also withholding my money from the feds. I know that the We the People organization is going to be putting something out here within the next few days outlining what their plan is, considering their lawsuit to petition the government for redress of grievances to have the, the Supreme Court actually 
outline what that means to outline whether or not the government has has a duty of some sort to respond to a petition for redress of grievances? Apparently, it doesn't. No, it's been rejected. Right. The, the, Supreme, the Supreme Court, Court says that uh, no, the government does. Uh, you know that, that the lower court's ruling is true, and that the government does not need to respond to your redress of grievance. You and, may redress all you wish, citizen. We do not have to respond. As I understand their email they sent out today. Again, this is the We the People organization at GiveMeLiberty.org. As I understand it, there's some sort of last ditch appeal effort that they can engage in. I can't imagine. But okay. With the Supreme Court, and they're doing that. That way they can say that no one can claim they didn't exhaust all of their legal options. And they're also going to be outlining what they are going to suggest people do. Well, I'm going to sign up for their updates right now, then. In an upcoming update, which, of course, will keep you in the loop as we learn more about this, uh, as more people continue to refuse this government's demands. It's Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. Bring up whatever's on your mind. 1-800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Features we give away, archives included. So if you've missed a moment of the show, just go and download it for free right there on the front page of the website at freetalklive.com. And Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Free State Project. It's your only choice for more personal freedom and smaller, less intrusive government. To learn more about joining the Second American Revolution, go to freestateproject.org. That's freestateproject.org. Moments ago, Mark has revealed he's come to an interesting conclusion, one that I wholeheartedly endorse and support, and I think it's also still in line with your personal belief system in that you are a small government guy, Mark. You believe in a, a very small, sort of constitutionally limited government. And I think that you can still have your small government with the absence of the federal government. You still have the state government of New Hampshire, for instance. I, yeah, I just, you know, I, one of my problems with uh, the whole thing is, is I don't like to get too far. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's not get too far ahead of ourselves here. And. But you're calling for secession now. I am. Um, some things happened to me over at the uh, the Liberty Forum. Two things happened. Uh, one, uh, basically, or the time of the Liberty Forum. Ron Paul got a uh, 7.7% in New Hampshire. 7.7? I thought it was 8. It was 8%, 7.7. Wow, okay. Um, it, it could have been, it was certainly higher in some counties. It was certainly higher in uh, some towns yeah. in New Hampshire. But, uh, you know, whether it was had to do with vote rigging or whatever the reasons were, he got a 7.7%, maybe 8%. Um, I've seen 7.7, and that's the one I took as fact because it had a decimal in it. Mm-hmm. The And secondly, uh, the We the People Congress, uh, the, you know, the people at GiveMeLiberty.org, their redress of grievance uh, lawsuit was shot down by the... Um, the, the Supreme United Court, the United States Supreme Court, with with nary an explanation, and well, they don't have to explain. They just they just say no, and therefore the uh, the lower court's decision stands. So they by saying no, their explanation is they agree with the lower court in that the government has no obligation to respond to your redress of grievances, right? Which and, ties right into everything else they've always said, and that is the government has no obligation or no duty to provide you with anything. In fact, I wish I had the quote in front of me, but I saw it recently. I think Mark Stevens at AdventuresInLegalLand.com has this quote. It it again we've we've pointed out several times that the federal government has claimed there is no obligation for the government to provide you with protection, but they also have claimed that they have no duty whatsoever to provide you with anything. 
including education, protection, uh, an answer to your questions. They have nothing. There's no obligation, no duty on their part to do anything whatsoever for you, but yet they expect you to pay through the nose uh, to them your hard-earned income. I mean, it's completely – there's no reciprocal anything going on here. It's you feed them, and they say screw you. Right, and um, I, I, I have heard you say that multiple times, and, and that's all fine and dandy, but the fact is they'll throw you in prison if you don't play their little game. But um, since you know this redress of grievance thing – where they said, well, the government is not obligated to redress grievances, and and the Supreme Court didn't even didn't even write anything down. They just refused to hear the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, to to me, that means that the government that the the system is so corrupt um, that they these people that they're reading the same constitution I'm reading. These people are supposed to decide. These nine people are supposed to decide whether something's constitutional or not. And they're not reading the same thing I'm reading. Or they just don't care anymore. They're sure. not even making an effort. They're not even bu- pulling out the sock puppets and making mouth noises <laughs> with us anymore. They're saying, screw you, citizen. You will pay and shut your damn mouth if you don't like it. Yep. And I, 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 you know, it's, it's, it's enough for me. Good. Uh, it's time to secede, whether it's New Hampshire, Vermont, California, Washington, whatever state it is that's first, I che- I will cheer them on from the sidelines. Plus, uh, th- that was another reason, is because Vermont has been uh, rattling the saber for, uh, somebody over there has been r- rattling the saber for secession, as did the Lakota Nation, whether, whether or not it was legitimate or not. Mm-hmm. There's been enough talk of secession that it's not such a new crazy thing. That I'm willing to, uh, you know, get on board with it. That Let's way. look at it from uh, from a different spe- perspective as well. Beyond the government just ignoring you and not caring what you want and not acknowledging your grievances. Beyond all that, which are fine, fine points. But just the the task, just looking at the task of reforming the federal government into a more constitutionally oriented government, into to drastically slashing it in its size. That task alone is nary impossible to reach in that you'd have to elect people not only to the presidency but to the representative seats in a, a, a significant number of the states of this country you'd have to have a, a huge groundswell of popular support in order to put enough people into washington dc to actually turn that beast around in, in some manageable in, in any sort of reasonable form and just that that level of activity, the level of popular support that w- that would require would be tremendous. Not to say that it, w- it couldn't be achieved, but damn, it should be a lot quicker to just secede. It'd be a lot easier to convince the population of one state the of the ideas of liberty and of the benefits of pulling out from this federal government scam that uh, these states have been suckered into. Uh, to pull out from that, it'd be a lot easier to, to convince 1.5 million people as opposed to 100 million people. I don't know if I agree with uh, your assessment there. We just read an article on uh, loss prevention. You know, uh, p- people and uh, you know their their belief as far as loss goes and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. The federal government's dealt with secession in the past and and sometimes in an extraordinarily bloody fashion. And those people. Um, if you're trying to convince a small group of people, the 1.5 million, which is the population of New Hampshire, I assume you're trying to prevent, uh, get a super majority of them or at least a majority of them on your side. You're trying to tell them you have to be willing to lose everything that you own for this secession. I'm not willing to do that. However, 
I don't think that that would be the issue anymore. I don't think I don't think the federal government would be willing to roll in tanks. But I don't think so either. When you talk People to somebody think that. about secession, that's the first thing they're going to think right. of. They think of Antietam. They think of Gettysburg. They think yeah. of blood everywhere. People dying and moaning, amputations, that whole thing. That's just a matter of overcoming objections. That's all that is. Right. It's a sales process. It's a really big objection, Ian. And you have to get past um, the – it's a sales process, but you have to get past that. You have to get the I don't opportunity think it's any more to difficult. present your case and then to present um, your opportunity for the objection because the vast majority of people will never give you the chance for that objection because somebody who's going to be presenting it to them is not going to be you. I don't think that's any more of a difficult proposition than convincing people to vote for out, vote outside of the two lesser evils. I mean, that's difficult as it is anyway, mm. and uh, people are very reticent to do that, but I'd rather, again, focus on a much smaller population, move all the liberty activists here to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project, and prove to the world that liberty does work. The only way we're ever going to be able to do that is to free ourselves from the thumb of this oppressive federal government. As we go to the phones and talk to Don in New York, Don, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Don, New York, going once. Don, in New York. Yeah. Going hey, Don. There he is. Mark, yes. Hey, Don, what's on your mind tonight? I, I feel your pain, Mark. Um, it's almost like that e- that uh, email you read a couple of days ago, Mark, from that um, that uh, person who was uh, turned off because Ron Paul had such a uh, a small response, a 8% uh, in the last uh, primary. Yeah, it was discouraging. And he was, you know, where where after this country's effed, it's all over. You kind of feel like that because, uh, you know, if you approach it and trying to get into government, it's very hard. You know, it's 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 impossible. I don't think it it is possible because I think the forces would stop. Uh, you know, like Julia, what happened with Julia there in your local election? I guess I so, consider um, you know the legislative or uh, you know you're you're trying to elected office. Like I've always considered them to be it's it's a dirty game, and we know that that's an ugly ugly game. But when you're talking about the judiciary, which is what shot down the We the People Congress's uh, lawsuit. You're talking. You're supposed to be. You're thinking about this. Uh, well, they're they're this separate entity of government. They're supposed to be fair and just. Um, a, a few times they've sent down rulings that I've liked. I've been like, woohoo! I knew that was going to happen. That's great. Good, good going, Supreme Court. But these people appear to be just as political, politically motivated as the uh, other politicians. They're and, appointed well, by the politicians. Well, that's the thing. I I had also heard that Bush had skewed. Um had had managed to skew um, a couple of the appointees recently, and get um, there's supposed to be like so many Republican or so many conservative and so many of the other affiliate uh, on the bench, mm-hmm. but he was able to get it filled by his uh, whatever it is he is. Don, I want to hear your thoughts on secession here. If you've got them, I'll bring it back in moments. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one, and Paul is on the line too. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. We only have a few moments remaining, just enough time for your call if you make it now. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Features we give away. You like the show, want to help support Free Talk Live, go shopping at the Free Talk Live store and pick up all kinds of great Free Talk Live branded merchandise as well as some other stuff that doesn't even have our logo on it. The original Free Marketeer design appears on both a very large flag. What is it? 3x5? I think it's 3x5. Big flag. As well as uh, the Free Marketeer t-shirt. 
Very cool logo. Head over to store.freetalklive.com to see what I'm talking about and place your order. And also pick up the other Free Talk Live gear at the same time. That's store.freetalklive.com. Talking about secession. Mark has officially endorsed the concept of seceding from the federal government. And why not? What reasons could anyone possibly have for wanting to keep the federal government involved in their lives? I mean, if government is a parasite, and it is... Government is an, is an agency of coercive force, with a monopoly over coercive force over a certain land mass. They don't produce anything. Government doesn't produce uh, valuable products or services uh, in that, okay, yes, there are some governmental bureaucracies that do provide services that could be provided in the marketplace, but in the absence of government providing those services, the market would pick those up. Most bureaucrats are completely useless, or as the governments themselves ter- uh, deem them, uh, what, what is it, the... Uh, Unnecessary government? No, there's another word for it. Unessential? Non-essential government bureaucracy. Now, I'm not advocating what you're talking about now. You're yammering on about uh, no government at all. No, I didn't yammer on about that. I just said that governments are parasites. You (laughs) You would agree with that, right? I, I would agree that they don't provide um, goods and services um, in the same way that the marketplace does. And anything they have, they have because they took. I believe that government is legitimate in the areas of uh, I understand what you believe, police and but army. But doesn't, that doesn't detract from Military. the fact that anything government has, they, they first took from you in order to get it. They stole money in order to purchase the things that they have. Yes. That much is true. But. So with, given that government is a parasite, why on earth would we want to allow the largest of the parasites? Let's say there are three levels of parasites sucking off of your wealth at this very moment, your, uh, you know, whether it's your business or your personal income. You've got the state, you've got the local government, and you've got the federal government. Yeah, and you Look, could have more than one. Um, you could have a municipal government in the form of county. City, city and county, and sure. And likely some kind of homeowners association. Um, you know, or, That's or, voluntary. Well, That's different. Actually, there was a, uh, there was a uh, district overlay that I lived in when I lived in uh, Manatee County. Mm-hmm. And so, no, I had a city government. I had a uh, district overlay so government. So sort of, uh, some sort of It was additional zoning restri- restrictions. I but see. they could very well have had some kind of neighborhood government in that yeah. particular, um, you know, in, in, in there, and but I'm he, sure that some other place does. But if you could get rid of the biggest parasite of them all, why wouldn't you want to? The federal government is definitely the biggest parasite we're dealing with in our lives. They, their regulation supersedes the regulations of the local and state bureaucracies. The federal government continues to run roughshod over, uh, over state governments when they pass laws that contradict what the federal government says. So, for instance, California being the perfect example with the marijuana, the medical marijuana facilities continuing to be raided there. Why would anyone want this federal government around? All it does is goes and wages, wages war and pisses your money away on things. So there's no re- – I mean, if I'd love to hear from you as to call in as to why it is you think we should keep the federal parasite around. 800-259-9231. We go back to Don in New York. Don, your thoughts on uh, secession. Are you in favor of it? Of course. Sign me up. Mm-hmm. It can't um, happen soon enough, can it? No, it can't. Um, you, aren't there talks of succession in something like 17 states? Haven't I heard you guys mention something like that before? Some more so than others. I think uh, Vermont and Hawaii, New Hampshire would probably be some of the more active uh, pro-secession movements. But, yeah, there are uh, there are a handful of states where there are some active movements for secession. I think Texas even has one. They're not obliged to us, so why should we be obliged to them? We should succeed. Um, we just need a large populace to, to do that. 
Absolutely. And, um, I don't even know if it needs to be that large. I think that with enough people concentrated into one area that want to secede, I think that they could very effectively do so. I mean, so whether the whole state secedes or not, I think is a non-issue. Doing like these uh, communal things, like some of these kook outfits have done, like where we, where you, you, you know, buy a, a plot of, of of woods and you know knock it down and build a build a brand new community. Can't you then police your own community and build and start building up from within, and and actually eventually grow to your own state and uh, a few states and then take over the government? <laughs> I don't know. It's um, interesting. You know, I, don't I don't know if I would ever want to grow into a state uh, because that would mean that uh, there'd be. Non, there'd be a non-consensual well, situation going on. I'm a small government guy too. I think there has to be some, some. You know, you eventually have to have states. Or... Well, I'm a small government guy too, as in self-government. You should govern <laughs> yourself. That's the smallest it can get. It's like talking yeah, to the wall. one more thing. There was 93 million people, according to the 1910, uh, 1910 con- consensus. Uh, 92 million people in the United States. The census. 92.268. Uh-huh. Oh, because I had asked, uh, what was it, Saturday night, how many people there were 100 years ago? Versus, yeah, right. 92,268,000. And believe it or not, we've tripled the population, and somehow the economy is not doing worse. Because the, oh, the, the my point was the, immigrate, the anti-immigration zealots were claiming that pe- bringing people in is somehow going to destroy the economy, which is just uh, absolutely absurd. Yep. Very good, Don. Right, Thanks guys, for the call tonight, dude. We appreciate hearing from you. Let's go to Paula in Florida. Paula, you're on Free Talk Live. Good evening. This gentleman's right. We do need to secede. I've already brought it up to the state of Florida, and I've already talked to Jim about it too. And uh, like that's your husband, right, home. Jim? Yeah. Okay. And uh, anyway, um, he agrees. And uh, I think this is something that we need to seriously think about. We need to get the word out to everybody about this. And uh, what you're talking about earlier too, I had gone to the U.S. Attorney General's office about this thing about the uh, New Hampshire thing when it first happened, and I told him I said. Y'all are going to do something about this. You're going to make some arrests. I said, or you're going to go and you're going to see these people up there and you're going to get this stopped. And then I call the U.S. Attorney General's office here. I call the Attorney General in the state of Florida here. I said, there's not going to be any machines. I said, it's all going to be done by paper, by Constitution. Our voting is supposed to be done by the Constitution. But anyway, any any representative... Hasn't Florida judge, gotten rid of the, uh, the electronic voting machines? Yeah, I think they have, but I just want to make sure. I don't know that all of them have, but I know that uh, they did in Sarasota where they had the big problem. I with thought the, it was a statewide thing. I don't know. Yeah, you know, I thought it was. I, I, I thought Harris. it was. I've been told it has been, but I just wanted to make sure. And I said, there's going to be somebody overlooking y'all, and the attorney general is going to look over this from the beginning to the end. But I said, you're going to have somebody also there beside you watching over this. And anyway, I mean, I'm well, Paula. I'm, I'm glad to hear that you're in favor of seceding. I don't know how lucky hey, you'll George be down Washington there in Florida. You couldn't, you couldn't trust your own government. He was right about that. Exactly. My cousin was right. Is that before or after he prosecuted the Whiskey Rebellion? (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for the call, Paula. Appreciate hearing from you tonight. 800-259-9231. I think people can be in favor of uh, secession, and and that's that's great and all that. But the problem is, is, you know, the the problem that uh, the Free State Project was put here to remedy was in fact the um, the idea that uh, you can't get anything done in your state. Paula can call the state of Florida and demand that uh, you know we look into secession. They look into secession all she wants, and she's yeah, going to get nowhere. They're not going to do anything if if it's here in New Hampshire. I lived in Florida. I know they're not that she's not going to get anywhere. Here, unfortunately, here in New Hampshire, it can be done. 
because they're, it can be done much easier because the citizen legislature here is the third largest in the entire world. So there may even be a political solution to, to secession. It may not necessarily have to be done on an individual or group basis. We might be able to elect enough people to the, to the New Hampshire legislature to make it uh, politically viable even. That's possible here. Let's continue and talk to Ryan in California. How it'll come about, I don't know. Should it come about? Hell yes. Ryan, you're on Free Talk Live. First, I want to congratulate Mark on becoming less of a tyrant when he <laughs> says he wants to secede. That's right. I'm a tyrant. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Second of all, um, I was just thinking about uh, market currencies, and I used to play World of Warcraft about two years ago, and mm-hmm. I remember all the high-level players, everybody needed Arcanite, and Arcanite was like this crystal that you might not have found. It was very rare. And so what ended up happening was we had basically a de facto Arcanite standard in the World of Warcraft economy, and so while all the noobs were running around trading gold, because it worked, they didn't have to trade with other players, they just had to trade with NPCs. Mm-hmm. And then all the high-level players that were doing a lot more trading with each other rather than uh, with NPCs, they would trade in Arcanite. Interesting. So you, you're saying that the the economy, the people in the this video game economy, created their own alternative currency using an in-game product. Yeah, it was basically like you every day, everybody, even if you didn't tr- trade in Arcanite, you would look up the price of Arcanite in the auction house. And you would say, okay, well, that's how much I should pay for this. It's interesting. And you wouldn't even be trading in Arcanite. You'd be trading in gold relative to Arcanite. You know, it actually ties in, and we're out of time, but Ryan, thanks for the call tonight. An interesting look into uh, that particular world, the uh, world of Warcraft is what he's referring to. But it ties into what's going on here in New Hampshire. The activists here have started up their own competing currency, or they're in the process right now of starting it up. It's called, I think, Shire Silver, and I believe shiresilver.com or .org, one of those uh, extensions, will get you to their website. So they're bringing it into competition with the Liberty Dollar, which uh, Bernard von Nothaus has said, hey, bring in some competition. That's a great idea. So, uh, so the state could very well have its own silver-based currency sooner rather than later, which is pretty exciting. We'll see you tomorrow night online. In the meantime, at freetalklive.com. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.